Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Josh Tay, the General Manager at No Limit Email, which is a retention marketing agency for direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses. So this week, we're talking all about retention marketing and asking the question, does it really cost less to retain an existing customer than find a new one? Because that's what everybody thinks. Um, We also talk email marketing segmentation, automation, and some of the mistakes that Josh sees folks doing when they try and get more out of a customer. Uh, Connect with Josh using the links in the show notes. Subscribe to the pod if you enjoy the episode. The first thing I asked Josh was if it really does cost less to retain an existing customer. So I I like this question because theoretically, yes. Mm. Um, Have you heard of the phrase, it costs five times more to acquire a new customer than retain an existing one? Yeah, it's it's always been there, that phrase, hasn't it? And it's like, is it it true? Is it real? (laughs) I mean, there are... There are studies that show that it is real. And yeah, so again, theoretically it is. But I don't like it because it shifts too much emphasis to retention and then it kind of downplays the entire portion of acquisition. So it's this type of thinking that causes a very disjointed acquisition and retention strategy. But then ideally, it should be seamless. It should be a loop, right? Mm. Retention should come back to power acquisition again. But then there is because of this gap, we can expect a, you know, an even higher uh, customer acquisition cost. Because you know, let's, let's just say we have a pop-up and you drive traffic to a site mm-hmm. and then people opt into the pop-up. But there is zero context as to why you're even opting in. And they say, oh, okay, let's get, mm-hmm. a, a, let's get you on a 10% off. Right? Yeah, but then yeah. you know, what, what is this 10% for? Why is there the reason for it? Like the, the initial reason was clear in the yeah. ad, in the, in the creative. But then once it, it comes to the email side of things, the SMS or whatever option you have, there is, it just loses essence because retention is not speaking to the acquisition team. And you see, the, the notion behind why it, and I, I'm making air quotes right now, costs less mm-hmm. to retain a customer is one, you are paying to just store them in your CRM, right? Yes. And then these people are pretty much already convinced of your value because they are already customers. Yeah. So they've already paid for it. And the entire reason they bought uh from you is because they kind of like the product and they're convinced of the value, right? But then if you were to just squeeze this customer segment dry, it's not the answer. Sure. But then this is the preface as to why it costs five times less to retain this customer. But that's not the sustainable solution. There's a a much better way to do it. And there is this question that no one is really asking. What if you could acquire customers that retain themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this question has gone unanswered for way too long because all the sales products available are like, yeah, this is a retention app. Yeah, this is a, uh, you know, an ad attribution app. But no one is bridging that gap. So what, what we found is that the only viable solution and the, the, it's the clearest way, it's by collecting data. Yeah. And more specifically, zero-party data. Sure, yes. So, so zero-party data is qualitative data about the customer. It's about understanding the customer at that point of highest intent. Because if someone were to opt into a pop-up, most of the time they are decently high that They have some intention to already convert. Sure. Right? And 
if let's say we will have the okay, no, normally with people opt in, they enter a welcome flow, right? It's a, it's a yes. standard yeah, email get, automation. Get into the never-ending drip campaign. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what what happens in the in the welcome flow is that you receive a bunch of welcome emails and you know, asking you to buy and shop now, shop now, shop now. Yeah. But then there is zero context as to why, uh, sure. why for your specific case, and. Most of the time, what happens is that the, the the brand is creating these emails based on their customer avatar. Sure. Right? What is their you know, ideal customer that they're looking for? But it's not catering to what this customer is looking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? So if yeah. there is no, there's no context to your specific problem, what makes you think that people will bite on the sales pitch? Yeah, I'm with you. How do right. we kind? How do we kind of decide that somebody is worth retaining using this data? Because uh, I, mean, I suppose not everybody is worth spending time on. When do we? When do we get rid of them? When do we dump them? When do we focus more on them? Okay, so we, uh, let's break this down into different customer mm. buckets. So the simplest way would be to just look at things from like as big of a bucket as possible. So let, let's look at customer segments and then non-customer segments. Yeah. And then, so for the non-customer segments, this would typically uh, comprise about 70% of your entire email list. And these are people who you know, probably will never get monetized. Sure. And this is the, also the biggest problem with the brand because they start focusing on the customer segment because it goes back to what we talked about. There is a constant notion that you know, it's, called, it's cheaper to retain an existing customer. So they spend most of the resources on this customer segment. Yeah, yeah. But... It's the non-customer segment that is a huge potential, right? Sure. But then, like, okay, let's let's now split the customer segment again into another two buckets. There is a one-time customer segment, and yep. then there is a repeat customer segment. Yeah. Again, most brands focus on the repeat customer segment because yeah. it's the easiest to squeeze out, send a yeah, discount. Yeah. Everyone buys again. Yeah. But then the one-time customers are those that are maybe about sixty to seventy percent again of that entire customer segment. The repeat customers will buy anyway. Yeah. So it makes more sense for you to start segmenting your campaigns for this one-time customer segment. Yeah. And I suppose you, you can also, I've heard a few people say you can squeeze that that segment of your customers a little bit too hard. So you keep, you keep going at that repeat customer all the time and you keep trying to drag more and more out of them. But eventually they're going to get to the point where there's no, there's nothing left to drag out of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because there's a there's a point where you know there is just no need for the product anymore. Yeah. No how um, how repurchasable and how consumable your product is, there's there is a lifetime to a customer. Yeah. Like they could their lifestyle could completely change and they don't need your product anymore. Yeah. They could I'm, move to a different location. You know, there's so many yeah. reasons. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who kind of like had a VIP section for their online store, and they would they would they, they thought of doing a whole load of kind of like you know sort of like um, repeat marketing to them, try and get more sales out of this VIP seg segment. So they emailed them, and sales went through the roof. It was brilliant, had loads of sales. So they would do that again. So they emailed again, and, and sales were still pretty good. And they thought, oh, we're onto a winner here. We'll do it again. And the more they did it, the less sales they got. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the classic law of diminishing returns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like do it, do it too often, and people get trained that you know this is what they're gonna expect. 
Yeah. So I, I actually have one client who, you know, in, in, a, in a very similar situation, they used to always run buy one, get one offers. Like that was their acquisition, like it was on their ads. Right, so but uh, this becomes a problem because you you diminish the, the the perceived value of the product, kind of gets destroyed from the beginning, right? Yeah. So I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with discounting. Discounting absolutely works, sure. and it will always yeah, yeah, work. Yeah. But it has to be done strategically. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that there's a like you got to calculate your unit economics. You got to start yeah. comparing offers, and then you got to ask yourself like, you know, what is the goal? Is it revenue for the sake of revenue, or yeah. is it you know, uh, you know, monetizing a specific customer segment and activating them so that they get into the habit? And once they get into the habit, what are you gonna do to nurture that and keep them on a positive cycle? Yeah. Right. And it has, so it's not a one and done kind of thing where you just say, "Hey, I got one sale." That's yeah. not enough. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, email marketing is gonna be playing a, a huge role in this. Are you kind of putting somebody into some sort of an automation, some sort of a journey every single time they buy something or, you know, is this kind of how it's working? Yeah, so we split most of our automations into two different things. We have got the pre-purchase automations and then yeah. we've got post-purchase automations. So for anything on the pre-purchase side, this would be our typical welcome flows, our, our cart abandons, our checkout abandons, browse abandons, or things like that. And then the post-purchase is where actually where a lot of um, the brands drop off. Sure. Because um, customers come back not because of emails, right? No sure. shit. Yeah, they yeah. don't come back because of SMS. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no matter how, how much we can try to prove with case studies that, hey, uh, the email <laughs> caused the person to come back. They, they didn't. Yeah. It was the product that caused people to come back. And the email is just like, oh, it's a, it's a nice reminder. And I came yeah. back to convert. Yeah. And it's the time it lands, isn't it? I mean, I've just bought... Um I've just bought like a like a I don't know like a, a base layer thing because it started to hit the winter here in the UK. So I've kind of like just bought a new base layer thing. Now I've had emails all through the year about all these different base layers and thermal things and stuff like that. But it's only now that I've bought it because it's starting to get cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah so t- t- timing is also a very big yeah. thing, and that this. There's no denying that timing absolutely matters. Yeah. Right? So that it's not, you, like you, you said, it's not the email, is it? It's not the email that makes you buy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. the product. It's the product. So there's this one thing that we are really big on and it's called onboarding. It's an yeah. onboarding flow. It's just like, you know, how you use SaaS products. The moment you create the product, there is like this step-by-step tutorial on how to use the, the platform, you know, what features are hidden in there that you would that, you know, make sense for you to try. You know, they connect you with customer service. There's a live chat bubble that comes up. Hey, do you need any help? Stuff like that. So sales does that very well. But then when it comes to e-commerce, we completely forget about that. We, mm. we forget about what we kind of want to receive and what help we need. So onboarding flows are where we activate customers and get them to use the product. Yeah. Because if a customer does not use the product, there is zero reason for them to buy again. Sure. If the, and then there's another point where if the customer doesn't use the product properly, they don't receive the full value of the product. And yeah. when they don't receive the full value of the product, they start questioning, is this worth the price? Is this value for money? Yeah. So then the next point comes value maximization, where we help them to achieve the most out of that product so that it's the most bang for their buck. That's so interesting. So several different emails in the post-purchase sequence that helps customers get more and more into the habit of using the product. We want to embed the product in their lives. 
Yeah. Because the more embedded we are, the more intertwined we are in the life, the stickier it becomes. And it's harder for them to churn and there's less reason for them to go to a competitor. Yeah, so you're kind of encouraging people to use the product more. So you're kind of like saying, if if person buys specific product, then they get this flow of emails, right? Yes, exactly. So we have different triggers for different products so that it's specific. It's a specific use case for their problem. Mm. So whatever we identified in the pop-up as the zero-party data, so let's say we ask them, what are you most excited about for you know wearing your base layer, right? Is it to keep out the is it to keep out the cold? Yeah. Is it because uh you know you don't have any existing thermal wear? Right? Yeah. Because these are these are two very different uh, types of customers. Their thinking is completely different. Sure. And then we so our messaging needs to be tailored to this specific customer's use case, their existing lifestyle and whatever they envision the product to do for themselves. And then now when you have a repurchase and you ask them, hey, because you were this and this, you were experiencing so-and-so, right now you would be feeling this. How yeah. does it feel? Yeah. Would you like to feel more of that? And that's where you can cross-sell. Yeah, I like. How do you get a... How do you... How do you stop sending too many emails to the, to somebody? Because I'm thinking if you've bought this product and this product and this product and this product, plus you're getting sort of like maybe monthly things, plus you're getting other things. How do we stop sending too many emails? Very good question as well. <laughs> mm. Because most of the time people think about you know, email marketing as like spam, right? It's like, yeah. hey, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be in your list. I don't want to get spammed by this stuff. Um, so there's this very simple thing that we have. It's called smart sending. Right. Smart sending allows us to prevent people from getting too many emails within a specific period. So you can set it, uh, like if, if you're using a platform like Klaviyo, you could set it as 16 hours. That's a default. But you yeah. can always tweak the number. So within these 16 hours, customers will not get another email. Um, we also have specific requirements for uh, people receiving people who are in flows and people who are uh, not in flows. Yes. If they, uh, they are an existing flow, we do not send them any campaigns. We exclude sure. them from all campaigns. Sure. Just, just because like, you know, when we create an automation, there is an intent, right? Some of the emails yeah. are building on each other and we don't want to spoil that, uh, that momentum with the campaign email and interject that. Yeah. So we exclude people from campaigns from that. Another thing that we have is also our different engagement segments. So we have like 90 day engaged, we have a 120 day engaged, we have 180 day engaged, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. depending on which campaign we are sending, we also have different engagement profiles and different types of content that cater to different engagement profiles. Because someone who is who hasn't engaged in the last, let's say, uh, 180 days, they haven't yeah. opened an email, they haven't clicked an email. Yeah. What makes you think they want to buy? Yeah. Yeah. Low chance, right? Yeah. So these customers get a very different type of communication from someone who has actively been opening the last 90 days. Sure. How many emails is too many emails? I know it's like how long is a piece of string because, I mean, Amazon send me three emails a day, four emails a day. If yeah. my accountant sent me four emails a day, I'd be saying, dude, why are you stopping? Stop <laughs> sending me. So it's kind of, so, so it's different for everybody, isn't it? But is the kind of like a bit of a, I mean, is one email a day too many for an e-commerce store now, nowadays? So this question actually comes down to what type of content you're sending. Mm. If, if you're always sending promotional content, like, hey, this, we've got a sale, we've got a sale, we've got a sale, people are not going to buy. Sure. They might buy once, they might buy again, 
Yeah. Then after that, that then what? Right? They're not. They're going to keep getting bored of it because they know that the next time you send an email, it's going to be another promotion. Yeah. And there's no reason for them to open until they need it again. So that affects your deliverability. Yeah. So, and then like, on the other end, if you're only sending content, it's also a little bit boring because like, oh, okay, this is going to be another educational piece, and I don't really want to get bombarded by too much information at this point. Sure. Right. So there is there needs to be some form of balance between education, entertainment, and promotion. Yeah. So then, so to answer your question about how many emails is too many, mm. it's completely dependent on your content strategy. I oh, I mean, do you watch the unsubscribe rate? So when that's if that starts heading, do you then kind of like think to yourself, we're sending too many? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we have both positive metrics and we have negative metrics that we check. Yeah. So on the positive metric side of things, we are looking at our open rates. So open rates are, uh, you know, it's 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 a tricky situation right mm. now because of Apple privacy and stuff yeah. like that. That there's some you know, emails that automatically automatically like marked as open. Yeah. Um. So we don't super focus on it, but it's still a fair engage. Uh. You know, as yeah. long as it's trending up and stabilizing, we're okay. Yeah. Then we're looking at our click rates. Yeah. So our click rates would be, you know, is this piece of content engaging people? Is mm. it causing people to go in, right? If people are clicking in through to the landing page, the product page, yeah, it served its purpose, right? Yeah. And that's that's one of our things. And then we have our place order rates. Uh, place order rates would be our typical, you know, conversion rate, if you if you call it that. Um, and then so so these metrics also change and they vary based on what type of content we are, we are sending. If it's an engagement post, then yeah, place order rate might not be the most. Uh, applicable at this point yeah but if let's say it's a review a review testimonial that's attached to a product highlight and we're educating people on a certain ingredient then yes place order metric would be important yeah yeah. then to your point again the unsubscribe rates the bounce rates yes we definitely have to be tracking all those things as well sure yeah when when should we kind of try and give up when should we just give up trying give up trying to retain someone get to the point where you know, they're never going to buy because they've had so many touch touches from us. You know, we've emailed them so many times. They've never bought anything. When do we kind of like archive them, delete them, get rid of them? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is also a very good point because the, there are different engagement segments, right, which, which, I, which I mentioned earlier mm. on. So if someone typically hasn't opened or they've received more than, let's say, like 10 emails yeah. in the past year and they haven't opened a single one, yeah. There's a high chance that they're probably not going to buy again. Yeah. So for these, we have a specific and uh, automation that allows us to suppress these non-engagers. And then it will move them back again into an engagement setting when they open or when they click on something. Because it kind of messes with your analytics as well, doesn't it? If, you, if you've got like, I mean, I've spoken to folks in the past where they've got like 40, 50 percent of their, their audience is kind of like pointless. They, they just you might as well just delete them. Um, and, 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 and all of that is constantly messing with your open rates, your click rates and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really an engagement segment. So where, how, we, how we do it is that we've got a specific team um, who is always tracking these things. They are tracking the specific metrics for all the technicals. So down to the, you know, for emails, for SMSs, for mm. uh, loyalty, for all these things. So you know, it makes it a little bit more complicated when you have memberships, 
when you mm. have subscriptions, when you have loyalty programs, when you have you know direct mail, right? All, all these things complicate it a little bit more. So it's, it makes sense to get a specific team that's dedicated to tracking all these things on a daily basis so that you know that you're not missing out on anything. Yeah. How do you find SMS works compared to email? Hmm. It's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a contentious topic. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the answer is it works best together. It's, yeah. not a, it's, it's not an email versus SMS kind of conversation. It's about an email plus SMS because retention is a, it's a holistic strategy. Yeah. And email, SMS, direct mail, like postcards, stuff like yeah. that, sending yeah. gifts to your, to your customers. These are channels. These are ways in which you can touch point. Yeah. between you and the customer. So it doesn't make sense for us to pit different communication channels you know, against each other. Sure. So we, we find massive success rates with, com with a combination. So let's say uh, like a simple tactic would be if someone hasn't opened an email in the last two days, we send them an SMS. Right. And this SMS is related to the first email. And very so all this happens within the automation. Yeah. Because sometimes people might not check the emails, sure. but they, they check their phones. Yeah, right? yeah. So is it that the phone is more important than the email? Not necessary. Yeah. It just happens to be this way in their life. Maybe they got distracted with the baby. Maybe you know, yeah. something happened and then yeah. they couldn't check their email. Sure. Do, do you find different markets for, for SMS? Because I'm thinking in the UK, not many people market directly through SMS. SMS is usually for like, um, you, you know, your, your order's coming today, delivery messages, things like that. You don't normally get many stores sending discounts, vouchers, coupons, messages through SMS. That's normally done through email. It, do different markets react differently to SMS, do you think? Um, there definitely is a difference in like geography and the way mm. people react. Um, yeah, so, so for, for US, Canada, SMS, extremely effective. For Asian countries, not so much. Right. Because many countries actually have like this uh, can spam, uh, this, this spam yeah. filter, where when you send an SMS, the, it filters out to likely scam, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't yeah. do very well for your <laughs> yeah. brain because you know, every single SMS you send, def by default, in their brain, it will just register you as spam yeah which is not a good thing um yeah but but for within the us not the case so as for you know what types of content you can send for uh, via sms we actually see pretty good success rates uh with sending still varied campaign uh campaign types through sms so not yeah. just pro, uh, transactional stuff i used to be of the notion that um you know, just send uh stuff that people really need to know on yeah. sms Right, yeah. stuff like you know your, your orders are coming, like stuff like that. Right, you mentioned, but then sometimes people still don't mind the SMSs because it's different. It yeah. stands out from the inbox. It's just not so boring. Yeah, they don't need to check their their, their email all the time, and like they they get this message and it's like, oh, actually, thanks for this reminder. So yeah. we do have specific segments again. So we don't send out. E uh, SMSs every time we send out uh, the email campaigns. Sure. The, the frequency is a lot less. Yeah. But we have to have a good reason to send the SMS. Yeah, and, I, w I, mean, I, wonder if, I wonder if like SMS is more personal in a way, more private, more your own little thing, whereas email is kind of like anybody can send any email to you, but not everybody's got your phone number. Does that, does that make sense? It's almost like more yeah. private. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So that, that's why we got to respect the inbox. Yeah. Um, and you know, for, for the most part, we already see a massive drop-off. Like, if let's say we've done, okay, we've done tests. We've done tests in our pop-ups for email collection, uh, email only as a single step pop-up. And then we've got tests for email plus SMS. And whenever we have the SMS segment, we see easily about a 40 plus percent uh, drop-off rate because people yeah. don't want to give their phone numbers. So for these, we don't make it necessary to opt in with your phone sure. number. It's, 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 it's a, if you want it, you can, you get it, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And what we also see very well is that um, these people who opt in willingly for the SMS don't actually mind receiving the SMSs. As sure. long as you've made it explicit at the beginning, like, hey, we will be sending you marketing emails. And, you know, you as our SMS list is a special tier. You yeah. get different promotions from the rest. And people will be right. like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And these people don't mind. And you obviously, as the brand, you have to make sure that these people are actually special. Yeah, yeah. So for our SMS only list, we have different deals that the rest of the, you know, uh, the, rest of the email list do not receive at all. So that we can make them feel like you know this is a special thing, and there is a reason to stay on the SMS list, and we are not yeah. spamming you. This is you know this is a good thing. You yeah. are you are like a you know a special member. You yeah. Can say. Yeah. Yeah. VIP. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I could chat for ages and ages about this because it's an entire world of marketing on its own now, isn't it? All the email um, journeys and 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 campaign uh, drips and oh. Yeah, you can do so much now that you couldn't do even like five years ago, right? It's it's incredible. Yeah, previously it was just like a uh, <laughs> spam, like a blast, blast yeah. your entire list. That was the just, only way. Send. Yeah, <laughs> just send, send to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Josh, um, where can we find you? Where's your website, social media bits? Okay, for our website, you can just type in like no limit email, N-O-L-I-M-I-T-E-M-A-I-L.com. No Fantastic. limit email. And to connect with me, LinkedIn. Just type in like Josh T. I'll Josh probably T. be the first one. Brilliant, Josh. I'll put some links in the show notes so folks can tap on tap on those. Um, look, thanks for your time, Josh. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Josh for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. Google, it's everywhere. Uh, Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.